Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet. He did up there, Rabbit. Well, what a really, really weird round. Uh, we saw Saturday that we may not get any footy uh, as a draft owner of Cleary, Fisher-Harris, Brian Toto. I was hoping the season gets postponed, give those guys a chance to come back. Uh, but recently, over the last couple of weeks, we've been joined by different members of the community. Uh, we're joined by Aman this week now. Aman doesn't actually have a podcast, but a big, big following uh, on Twitter and uh, YouTube. Venturing into all sides of things with Supercoach, but also Fantasy Premier League. Uh, but definitely knows his Supercoach well, back to front. Ranked 2700th uh, this year so far, so flying. Uh, so yeah, give a warm welcome for Aman. How are you going, mate? Hey, Whisperer, it's good to join you. I love listening to your uh, podcast, nice and short and sweet. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me on. No, all good, mate. Uh, definitely to to get the listeners a, a different insight because uh, me telling them to buy Cody Ramsey back in round 11 obviously wouldn't have fared out well for them. Uh, mate, I know we'll, we'll run down the games this week, but straight away, you VC'd Cody Walker, 151, looking swell. Never, ever vice-captain looped before. You're asking me all weekend if this is how you do it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you pulled the trigger on it, and then to see Tevo come out and put on 224 with potential updates to come. Uh, lesson learnt, maybe never, ever loop again. Yeah, never, ever loop or just never bet against Tommy Turbo. He's just that much of a freak, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, I told on my YouTube video as well, you know, Tommy Turbo is the best captain this week, and then... I see Cody Walker get 151, and I'm thinking I've got a perfect 17, so it was the best week potentially for me to do a loop, and I thought, yeah, why not just do it, bank the points, and yeah, watching that Manly game, I mean, you can't even be happy having just Tommy in your team, because the high captaincy he had just meant I was probably going to see red arrows now, so yeah, lesson learned, don't bet against Tommy. It's one of those things, I mean, it's fantastic in hindsight, uh, you did have a free loop, so there was no AE for you. But, yeah, I mean, it costs you, what, 75 points potentially? So it's not not the end of the world because, um, yeah, the 75-point swing is, isn't too much. It's, yeah, I think at this at this stage of the season, you might lose a couple of ranks but not be too upset. Um, but, yeah, Tommy Turbo, it's simply incredible what he's doing considering it's not really in 80 minutes either, is it? No, it's exactly. He was taken off the last 10 minutes, which, to be honest, I mean, it's weird saying, you know, he's in my team. I would want him out for the full 80, but I was more than happy to see him get a early shower. And, yeah, it's just ridiculous. No goal-kicking as well, which is pretty un- unbelievable. Um, he's just setting up tries, scoring them off his own. He's just doing everything. Yeah, like, no no disrespect to Nathan Cleary, but we think of the performance he put up against the Titans. Uh, I think he kicked everything that day. He had a hand in a couple of tries, also scored some himself. But, yeah, the fact that Turbo does it, uh, without the goal kicking, which probably if he was a, even if he was a mediocre goal kicker, let's say he's striking him at seventy percent, that still probably adds, I would say another twenty points, twenty five points a game, um, just off the back of of those goal kicks, it's 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 incredible, um, mate. Look, we've got you on to do the roundup. Uh, as the listeners know, we go through the games uh, top to toe, break them down, work out 
who sort of stood out for us, who sort of floundered a little bit, whether some trades have popped into our minds. Now myself, I've got no trades left in the bank. I know that you're not doing uh, too well either, but you still had a few up your sleeve to plan for the run home. The Roosters defeated the Parramatta Eels 28-0. Parramatta without Mitch Moses. Uh, look, a lot of people love to bag him, but I think he's definitely uh, the steady hand for this Parramatta side, and they're just not looking the same without him. They could potentially even miss top four. Yeah, definitely. That's what was, one of the main points I was going to bring up with the Eels is that they're really missing him. And as you say, I think he gets a lot of flack from the uh, you know rugby league community, but he really is important for that team. You know, goal kicking, he sets up tries and just kind of steers the ship for them. And you know, it's been clear that without him in this team, they're just not as good. And yeah, especially with their tough run coming up, um, they would want him back as soon as possible because uh, there is a good chance with the way that Manly's going, the Roosters are still um, fighting hard. Uh, you know, the Eels may be out of the top four, which, you know, given the start of the season they had, um, is looking pretty surprising. Now, how long did it take you to jump on uh, the Isaiah Papali'i train? Putting out 74 in the weekend, pretty much all in base. Had a few tackle busts, but that's become the norm for him. Uh, how long into the season did it take you to realise that he was the real deal? Uh, too long, if I want to keep it short. Basically, when uh, I think it was when Fafida got suspended for a couple of weeks just before State of Origin. That's when I made the switch to Papali'i. And yeah, it just became a time where, you know, it was just constantly telling myself, oh, he's too much, he's not going to keep it up. And I've just learned now that, you know, with even how like similar to Tommy, just these guys just forget about how much they cost, just bring him in because they're clearly, um, you know, best in their position and bringing in the points. So yeah, I brought him in around, I think it was around, uh, around 10 or 11. Um, and he was already about 750k plus, but, you know, not looking back ever since I brought him in. The problem with him was, like, I remember from years gone back, there was always, always so many raps about him from the Warriors and, and how good he was and never really translated. And then he started off the bench for Parramatta, but uh, the definition of earned your spot for him, he pushed Sean Lane out, who had a good game, scored 64. Junior Paulo, who's been very inconsistent for owners, uh, 71. Dylan Brown, surprised to see him score 59 uh, in, the, in a squad that scored zero. There was much hype around Dylan Brown on preseason. Gutho, 59 as well. So if your owners are these guys... There's some positives to take out considering they scored so poorly uh, without... Sorry, they scored so well without attack. Um, Ryan Madison, 56, probably a little bit lower than what we expected from him in weeks gone by. There isn't a whole lot else to talk about here. I mean, Reid Marnie as well. People uh, jumped all over him when he was back from injury, but the tough run didn't score historically well against some of these better sides. So maybe that was the writing on the wall. Uh, but Joey Manu, 108 for the Roosters. We... We touched on him in the buy rounds as to how much he'd be good when Teddy's out. Didn't really see this transitioning. Matt Ikevalo obviously injured, shifts, sees him shift to the wing. But he was playing that much more roaming role, which I think is great for Manu, great for owners. He gets his hands on the footy a lot more, and it translated to a pretty fantastic score. Yeah, definitely. Again, one of these guys who seems like, uh, you know, if you jumped on him a few weeks back in round 17, you know, you got to get a couple of games out of him playing at fullback, and then... Um, given the injuries he was named on the wing and yeah as you say playing a bit of that roaming role and this game in particular you know he was able to get a very cheeky try towards the, towards the end there you know with a little um, penalty restart so I think owners would have loved seeing that again if you jumped on him you would be laughing now because he's looking like he's going to be having that role for the rest of the season it looks really good for the Roosters uh, and yeah again one of the better options I think in centre wing because Roosters still have a few decent games coming up some tough games but yeah Joey Martin we know how good of a footballer he is and Never really translate for Supercoach, but when he's not playing in the centres, he's, he's an amazing option. Now, probably the most hyped rookie coming into Supercoach for this year, Sam Walker, didn't get the start, uh, earned his way into the side with a bunch of injuries. Roosters have been depleted by them, but Sam Walker played himself in, lit the world on fire for the first, I would say, five to six weeks, uh, was in origin talks as well, and then sort of looks to have 
sort of not fallen off a hill, but definitely uh, the production's gone down. But strongly, there's some good performances. Is Walker still someone in your side? Or have you flicked him on? No, I traded him around uh, round twelve, round thirteen for Matt Burton. Uh, just when Walker was, it was when the Roosters were getting into a bit of a tough stretch when they had uh, Melbourne Storm and Panthers um, within that whole state of origin period. So I moved him on. But yeah, as you say, he's been doing really well in the past couple of weeks. I think, you know, the dip in form coincided with he had some injury problems and those tough games. But yeah, looked really, really sharp against the Eels. Um, given the injuries that the Roosters have got, probably has lost a goal kicking, although he wasn't the best goal kicker. So he's probably losing more points from it than anything else. But yeah, if you've got him in your side, obviously a great option. Because as I say, Roosters have still got a couple of good games and they look like they're really putting together a good back end of the season. Uh, a guy that I've been very, very high on to be picking up for your center wings. He's basically the inferior version of Brian Toto, Daniel Tupo. He's safe for a good 40-odd in base, and then obviously when he gets the tries, uh, bumps him up to around 65, which is what he scored the weekend. I think he's a great addition to people center wings that run home. Now that Matty Cavallo is, is out, you would expect that they target the more experienced winger with Tupo. Uh, Teddy off the back of a fantastic week last week, back to earth a little bit with a 68. I guess it shows you how how good the crop of talent is this year that... that uh, Tedesco is averaging, I think, about 82, 83 or whatnot, and that's considered poor for his standards. Considering he averaged 93 or so last year, a lot of people had him to go over 100 uh, for the season average. With no uh, Luke Keary, it's a pretty pretty big comparison in terms of the stats. Uh, I called for him to be sold back in, I think it was around 4 or 5 when, when Keary went down. And uh, Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you, you wish you jumped on that. To, he just doesn't look the same without Luke Keary, does he? No, definitely not. I think in the past couple of games, he showed us just full, like you know fully what he can do. Uh, but yeah, as you say, when Cleary, uh, Cleary, sorry, Kiri is not in the team, the Roosters in general are just not as slick. And he also had some injury problems of his own. You know, he had a concussion. He's had this hip problem. It seems like he's gotten over that well and truly because he's looking back to his best. And I think if you've got him in your side, I think you definitely would be running with him for the back end of the season. Um, yeah, I think I, I copped, unfortunately, that game against the Dragons where he got like 17 points and I had, had him captain. Uh, yeah, that was. Oh, mate! So that that was the that was the that was the moment my season went downhill. I think it was, I think it was the Anzac round, and yeah, had the HIA, got less than twenty, had the captaincy on it, but yeah, not not great. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I'm like I am a Roosters fan, and I was really pumped for that game. I was really happy to see him captain, and then he gets absolutely clobbered, and he's gone, and I was filthy. But yeah, that's that's a bad luck you get in Supercoach. But what can you do about it? But yeah, Teddy is still showing that he's a great option, but in 83 average in 2021 probably doesn't cut it to be honest not with the crop of fullbacks we have now especially after seeing turbo grow as big as he did uh mate you mentioned you're a roosters fan i'm a tigers fan this is probably one of the worst losses that i can remember nothing against the warriors but it was the fact that they're missing uh half their team half their best players uh but you and aitken in the back row 128 who saw this coming yeah uh no one i i will admit i mean i didn't obviously have the you know the cojones to pull the trigger but i did need a center wing under 400k this week to bring in daily cherry evans Ewan Aiken, I saw in the final team as he was moved to the back row, and I thought, could he be an option? I thought, no, don't be crazy. And then he scores 128, scoring a double. Admittedly, the sec- one, his second try was a bit of a gift uh, from, I think it was Luke Brooks' uh, dropout. But yeah, 128, you wouldn't be expecting that. And hopefully, if he does stick around in that role, maybe he could be an option moving forward because the Warriors draw is pretty good for the rest of the season. Mate, you said you needed to send a wing under 400k. We'll touch on him, but I'm pretty happy with that uh, little tip that I passed on to everyone. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was the best tip this week. <laughs> I haven't got much right, mate, but I'll uh, I'll claim that one. Uh, Bunty of Fire with a 64, not really relevant. Uh, Bally Sirenen with a 61, not really relevant. Sean O'Sullivan. Look, a lot of this was just a grind from the Warriors, apart from Ewan Aiken's huge score. But uh, a man that I was 
huge on uh, many, many moons ago, but I could never afford him in my side just with injuries and whatnot. Adam Dewey, 97. Uh, pretty much the better version of Jack Whiten. Uh, a ball running 5'8", is just dominating, taking the line on. Uh, but can also lay a try assist on when need be. And I think Sneaky, one of the best goal kickers in the comp. He is a very good goal kicker. I do remember that one. I think it was a couple of seasons back when he had a, a fan uh, absolutely giving it to him. Um, All-time moment in rugby league. Exactly. All-time moment. And I, th- I, think he d- I think he kicked it. So he's cool under, he's cool under pressure. Um, yeah, definitely the best option out of the Tigers. I mean, he's just scoring points for fun for Supercoach. You know, goal kicking, you know, scores tries himself, laying on tries. Uh, Tigers draws very good for the end of the season as well. So, yeah, Dewey, I think, is probably one of the best 5-8 options or even fullback, to be honest, because he's still delivering that many points. Now, you mentioned cheap set of wings, and people are going to laugh when they're listening to this, but with the Tigers' run home, the fact that Dane Laurie is out, is there any any sort of thought about maybe getting in Moses and by? No, not for me, mate. I, I can't do it to myself. But um, if anyone is, you know, got their last few trades and they're just willing to throw a dart and see what sticks, you could maybe go with the Moses and by. He is dual flexible, so that does work in his favour. But yeah, 82 points this week is pretty solid. I mean, he scored... Scored a try, got a try assist of his own. So yeah, two hundred thirty-seven k. Uh, I mean, you could you might be you might you you could be, you could do worse, but yeah, I don't think I could recommend Moses M by myself. If you were desperate for money and you messaged me saying you're looking at Moses M by, I wouldn't hate it. Like I'll, I'll be brutally honest. If you told me uh, Moses M was on your radar and you needed the cash, I definitely wouldn't be against it. Uh, Lucian Leilua with a great score. He's someone that I've been looking at all year, but could just never either have the luxury of not having injuries or the luxury of just like, you know, getting in one of those um, matchup guys. It's been one of those years for me where I've just had to uh, put paper over the cracks. Uh, Dave Norvaluma, a popular one among the socials this week with a lot of people, 73. Uh, Alex Twile, back to his 2019 best with a 72. Uh, Stefano Utsui-Makanu, like he's been a revelation in terms of footy sense, not so much super coach. He's got a couple of tries here or there, but I think uh, with him, a, a light slid under his, his butt and he's just really realized that he's big a, a big prop forward and can use his size quite well. Been really happy with his progression the last couple of weeks as a Tigers fan. Yeah, he's been really, really good. I mean, he got promoted to the starting prop role just a few weeks back, and I think Supercoach has actually been doing pretty well. I mean, considering I sold him, you know, pre-round 13, I think, to get an upgrade in my front row. I think if you've held him up until this point, he's pr- proved serviceable, you know, if you've just needed a, a kind of a, you know, a plug-in front row. He's been scoring around your mid-30s, and then the past couple of weeks, he scored like a 90, I think, in round 18. Um, so I think he's been actually doing okay for you know for a front row forward position, which has been pretty barren this season. Um, he's been proving some handy scores, uh, but yeah, in real life he's looking fantastic, and he's definitely got that ability to find the try line as well, which um, you know the Tigers definitely need. I glossed over him in the Warriors rundown, but Cody Nikarima has to go down. It's one of the most unluckiest purchases of for players in recent memory. I know that he was very very popular, um, popularly brought in. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then he had that hamstring injury that was ruled out maybe an hour before an hour before kickoff, and then teams were stuck with him obviously, and then came back off the bench, played a bit of hooker, and look, he was he was flying high, and with the Warriors run home, you expect him to continue, but that has to go down as one of the unluckiest trades of all time. Yep, I'll count myself in as one of those people. At round seventeen, I was looking to potentially get ahead of the curve and get an extra buy player, and this is definitely uh, for me put the nail in the coffin in terms of buy planning moving forward because he comes in with seven in round 17 and then he's lost a goal kicking coming off the bench and um yeah it hasn't been good i'm just hopeful that potentially he gets back into the starting lineup because the warriors draw is good uh but yeah that definitely was a trade that did not work out for me i don't want to uh bust open wounds for people that did bring him in but dane laurie getting a two definitely has a sting for them uh yeah buying buying players to get injured is is a nightmare and something that i i unfortunately struggle with 
The Broncos defeating the Cowboys in the Queensland Derby, 37 to 18, a very uh, weird scoreline, but headlined by Jordan Ricky, absolutely killing it on that right edge, and uh, a lot of lot of promise behind Ricky all preseason. Everyone was talking about. We saw glimpses of it, but it hasn't really been consistent. But uh, a big body that can just break the line, similar to a uh, another back row that departed Brisbane last year. Uh, Jordan Ricky's filling that mould of Fafita quite well. Yeah, definitely. I've been. I actually think the Broncos have got a really good young crop over there, um, and I've been actually not too um, disappointed with their performances in the past few weeks. And as I say, Ricky, we saw that kind of preseason hype around him. You know, from that like the All Stars game. Um, I would have liked some of these 116 point scores. You know, back in round one and two when we had him. But yeah, if anyone has still got him in their team, obviously they'd be very happy with that. Uh, but yeah, definitely like a lot of these young Broncos players. At full time, Katoni Stags owners would have been over the moon. Not so much the next day when it was ruled out that his season is done uh, with an injury. Another one of these guys is just going down. As we're seeing injuries kill Supercoach. But uh, a 90 from Katoni Stags when he's back next year, the game plan has to be simple. Get the ball to him early. Let him do the work. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was um, I think it was Levi for one of the tries. He just threw it from dummy half straight to Stags, and he just did all the work um, and got over for a try. He's just that much of a of a tackle breaker. Um, and yeah, who knows? You know, if Asako's, I don't know actually what his contract situation is, but Stags was goal kicking last year. If he potentially gets that moving forward, I think Stags could be one of the best options at centre wing. Um, but he has shown obviously to be picking up a few injuries, so that definitely has hampered him this season. But yeah, we know what a talent he is. Now, I think Payne Haas is the best front row forward in the world. I don't think it's a question, to be honest. A lot of people will throw up James Fisher-Harris, but I think the fact that Payne Haas does what he does week in, week out, in a Broncos side that does struggle on the back foot, he just continues to put in a, a huge shift. 73, I got him the week before uh, the 17 buy when Lodge and TPJ went out. I know I was buying him only for one week, and then he was out with the buy, but really happy with the purchase. He, is, he has come on leaps and bounds. Now, the fact that that Lodge has moved to the Warriors full-time and TPJ has officially moved on. Uh, it opened up Payne Haas drastically. He's playing big minutes, getting big output, and so happy to see him back to his best. Yeah, definitely. He's one of the best up-and-coming front row forwards, if not the best. I mean, his motor is just ridiculous. I mean, the guy just does not seem to break a sweat. Um, he just always puts his hand up, which, you know, as a super coach owner, you love to see. And yeah, definitely he was one of my better trade-ins this season, which is few and far between. I picked him up in round 16, uh, when Flegler was ruled out. So I traded Flegler to Haas, and what an upgrade that's been because he's been scoring like 90, 90, 106, uh, 73. So yeah, he's been doing super well in the past few weeks. Isn't it funny how Supercoach changes in such a short time? It wasn't it wasn't even 48 months ago, so two years, that Payne Haas would be averaging 75, and that would be a safe captain every week. He'd take 75 uh, all day long, and now, uh, yeah, Tommy Turbo got 95 last week, I think, and everyone lost their mind about how, how poor it was. So it's just it shows you that Supercoach is a very, very... Funny and fickle game, and how the scoring can change just based off, um, just based off the rules. For the Cowboys, not too much to go on here. Drinkwater and did, and the halves combined for a big score. Didn't had a good game uh, against his former club. Didn't get the chockies, unfortunately. Jason Tamalolo is an interesting one because I continually touch on him week in week out. It feels like one week I'm saying, oh, look, he looks back to his best, and then the next week he scores 35, and the week after he's back scoring 65, 70, and then he's back scoring mid 30s. It's just it's too inconsistent to even look at for Lolo, even though. Look, he looks like a pretty good buy next year, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I mean, his minutes have been up in the past few weeks. I think he played 64 this round, which is kind of what he's been hovering at for the past uh, few weeks. As you say, he's had some games where he's looked really, really good, you know, breaking tackles back to his best. And then he just has a games where he gets like 35, 40. And you just can't rely on that, I think, at this point of the season. If you want to be getting your 65, 70 plus from your second row forward. Uh, and I think around at his price, you've got 
probably better options in my opinion. Like, uh, you know, you've got like a Tyson Frizzell from the Knights, whose draw is really good. Um, he's a lot cheaper than Tamalolo, and I think he's probably got a little bit more upside um, at the moment. So yeah, Tamalolo, I think, putting up some decent scores. One to look at for next year, though. I can't bring him in myself, to be honest. The problem is, it's not the minutes, the problem. It's it's the output that he's doing in those minutes. I think, I think he's only lost three minutes uh, off what he was averaging last year, and uh, down obviously 20, 30 points, but, and, and that doesn't equate for 10 points a minute. He's just not doing the work in the minutes that he's being allocated. I'm not too sure if that's a, a JT thing or if it's a Todd Payton thing, who knows? But yeah, all eyes on Tamalola next year. I think we'll get him at a, at a pretty healthy price. Uh, as for the Cowboys here, mate, there's probably not many Supercoach relevant players to really touch on. Uh, anything really stood out from you? This was a game that uh, I could have the least interest in, to be honest. Yeah, not too much more from me. Maybe we'll see Jake Granville next season as a hooker slash fullback. That might be. Oh, a how, how good? Excellent. How good is he at fullback? <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. He did score a try, but you know, scoring a try and only getting forty-five here obviously is not fantastic. But I think that could be a pretty unique dual position we might see for next year. Mate, the Knights taking down the Raiders, thirty-four to twenty-four. I'll let you lead this one off with the left-hand center. Oh, mate, what a what a trade-in. These are the moments you love in, in Supercoach. I needed a cheap center wing under 400k, and I scrolled down um, like thinking there are not many options here, and then I see Bradman Best. He's averaging 49 for the season, but I'm harping on about the Knights draw for the back end of the season. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Bring him in, and he goes off and scores 107 with a try and two try assists. Look back to his best, no pun intended. So, yeah, really, really happy that I brought him in this week, and I know you were very, very big on him as well. So hopefully for your listeners, they all uh, jumped on as well. As a content creator, uh, or whatever you want to call us in, in this community, these are the moments that we really enjoy. I mean, three days before this game, I put a Bradman Best, pl- Bradman Best player profile out, had all the stats about how the opposition teams concede against left-hand side at attack, and uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't want to blow my own trumpet because I do that plenty on here, but yeah, really happy with, with this. It's one of those things where you... It's similar to it's similar to when I, I suggested Ruben Garrick back in round six, and you, you look at these and, and they, they kick off, and it sucks that you don't listen to your own, own advice sometimes. I'm, I'm sure you know that uh, tenfold. But to see Redmond Best get 107, Kalen Ponga feeding him balls, Nari Tuala also another beneficiary of this. 110, 107 from Best, 98 from Ponga. That left-hand side is looking lethal. And as you and I both harp on both our shows, that night's run home is the best in the comp, and uh, there's big, big stocks in these boys. Yeah, I was really impressed by the left side attack and hopefully Pierce is actually back for them next round. So that would make their attack even better across the whole park. So, you know, if you're looking at Ponga, obviously it would be a great investment. Um, Tyson Rizal, someone I mentioned in second row forward. Um, let me just quickly check what he scored here. Uh, uh, 68, mate. In, in pretty much all in base too. Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. No real upside there. Um, just purely through work. So if he goes over for a try, you know, at throwing a line break, he's almost getting towards 100. I think that's the kind of upside you're looking for at second row forward. Um, for the rest of the season. He's pretty low owned at only 5%. So really like him. And I think, yeah, not a bad time to be getting on the Knights players if they're able to get their full spine back and healthy. One of those 5% was myself. I picked him up this week. Yeah, as I said, I'm really happy with the, with the 68. Uh, there is big upside there. I He's someone that I always look to for, for end of season. For some reason, he just statistically performs well for the run home. I remember last year, last game for the Dragons, I captained him. He went over for two tries and that was 130. Uh, as a as a second row captain, so two sixty isn't too bad. Uh, for the Raiders, mate, Josh Papali'i off the bench. Ricky's giving him a bit of a spell. Seems to be working for him. Uh, Jordan Riper, another one that I touched on. Are you enjoying the move for him at fullback? He scored, uh, I think he scored around hundred last week. 80, 81 this week. Yeah, I think the move to fullback is definitely um, working for him. He's a lot more involved in the attack, uh, and he's always been a good tackle breaker and good runner of the ball. 
Um, but yes, uh, was able to get a try assist in this game. So yeah, 81, I think he was a great purchase this round. Um, there is Bailey Simonson coming back soon, but I think Rapan has been playing well enough that he should hopefully um, stay at that fullback spot. So I think for any mo any owners or potential buyers, I think if he stays at fullback, he's still a good option because he's still relatively cheap. I think uh, I think Savs and I touched on him about three weeks ago, and I, I said that he could be a sneaky good pickup, um, solely to play in your head-to-head -head games based off matchups. But he's looking more and more like a, a genuine option to have as a fifth or sixth centre wing. So happy with the output from him. Scrolling down, there isn't a whole lot to talk about here. A lot of sort of mid sixties, uh, early seventies, a couple of fifties. We scroll all the way down to thirty-nine. Corey had a weird Naira. The fall from Grace finally happened. He got hooked as well, which is not a good sign for owners. Yeah, definitely. I am one of those owners. I, I was a bit late on jumping on CHN, but I was able to get those really nice scores in the past fortnight where he got like 120 and 80. Uh, but yeah, 39, definitely one of his lowest scores. Uh, and yeah, he's there's always been that question mark, I think, uh, you know, his role in the team moving forward. And yeah, not good to see him get hooked. He was missing tackles, but hopefully, you know, Ricky puts his faith in him and he can come out next week and do a lot better than that. As a Roosters fan, seeing the Storm succeed is obviously never a good thing for you, but you've got to respect the greatness that this club is putting on. I'm a huge fan of the Melbourne system, a huge fan of the Melbourne Storm. Uh, I always post about them, and it seems like they attract a lot of negativity. I think uh, a bit of tall poppy syndrome going on here with the Storm. Yeah, definitely. I think if you're a true kind of rugby league fan, you can't do anything else but respect the Melbourne Storm. They lose that much quality over the years in, you know, Slater, Kronk, Inglis, Flau, Smith, and they just seem to never go away. <laughs> always hovering around the one and two position in the ladder and always competing for uh, grand finals and premierships. They're just that quality of an organisation. And yeah, I think I would, I would have to say that people who are mad at the Storm, yes, they potentially have some tactics people don't like, you know, like how they had the wrestle and everything, but they just know how to win, and I think it's a bit of probably a little bit of jealousy, in my opinion, because they're yeah they're a quality organisation who provide good supercoach players for us as well. A lot of the jealousy also comes from uh, particular Penrith fans I've noticed as well, and uh, very ironic. But um, mate, look, I've got a couple of followers that message me saying that with the Jesse Ramian um, being ruled out late, Dean Eremiah stepped up as their AE, and uh, I couldn't think of a better AE to have this round. Eighty nine from him. Uh, another one of these guys that I don't like because of the fact they don't do any work and then fall over for tries, but that's the way Supercoach is going this year. Uh, guys like Alex Johnson, Josh Adokar, these guys don't have huge bases, but just fall over the try line and rack up the points. And Dean Aramaya, uh, I think, had a hat-trick from memory. And uh, if he was your AE, you're, you're definitely loving life, aren't you? Yeah, that is a great AE score this week, 89. He did score a hat-trick, so again, shows he doesn't really have that much base. You know, 51 points out of that, out of that 89 just in tries, but... You know what, you'll take that 89 any day of the week um, as an A. Yeah, uh, I post on, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram everywhere that, that my socials are at. I said, Harry Grant is the best number nine in the world, and it doesn't even come close. And there was plenty of heroes out there that wanted to say that he isn't even the best number nine uh, at his club. I think that is rubbish. Harry Grant, if he is fit, he is the first pick in my side next year. Uh, considering how Baron Hooker is, I understand you've got Turbo, you've got Cleary, whatnot, but just how slim Hooker is... Uh, I can't pass up Harry Grant for 2022. 100%. In my opinion, he is also the best hooker uh, in the competition. Uh, one of my favourite players to watch. It pains me as a New South Wales fan, but seeing him last season debut for Queensland, he was so good. Um, it's really hard to see, knowing that he's going to be there for the pains, next pains you as a New South Wales fan, mate. Try being a Tigers fan after after <laughs> having him last year. There was like that slimmer, that slimmer of hope that he'd like backflip and enjoyed us full-time, but uh, not to be. He is... He is a sensational talent, and, and he just seems to pump out scores 
whether he's coming off the bench, whether he's starting, whether Bellamy's giving him 20 minutes or playing maybe whatever. Like, the, the bloke is just a an absolute talent. He did it last year all season. He's doing it again this season. Has been struck a little bit by injuries. I think New South Wales fans were thankful. Uh, there was no Harry Grant origin this year. I don't think he would have made that much of a difference, but uh, definitely footy sides are better with him on the field. Yeah, he's just yeah unbelievable talent. As you say, I think he's that much better at hooker position than anyone else. I think you really have to try to make sure you get him um, from round one if he's fit and healthy because there's just no one else like him at that position. Now, at full time, J- Jerome Hughes had about 95. And as a non-owner, uh, you always pick apart these players and you watch them and death ride them. But I couldn't for the life of me see how he had 95. And, and updates happened and he was back down to 69. Bit of a swing there. It's happened for the last couple of weeks with Jerome Hughes. Uh Obviously, you were tossing up between DCE or, or Hughes and whatnot. You went DCE in the end. Um, Hughes, look, he's had some fantastic scores this year, but for some reason, it's just maybe it's a psychological thing. I can just never get behind the idea of buying him. Yeah, for me, I think the reason I went DC, as you mentioned, I think it was purely just a little bit of ownership. I think at this point of the season, I've been lucky enough to have a few trades left, so I thought I'd be able to swing a little bit more at the fences and go for the lower owned option because Hughes is pretty highly owned now. I think it's around 25, 26% of the game. Um, and I know that he's obviously an amazing option and is consistently putting out scores above 65, 70. For me, the question mark was, again, just about health because he had that kind of calf issue. And with the Melbourne Storm, we know that they're you know that deep of a team that they're able to probably rest some of their players. So that did concern me in that I've already got enough injuries in my team. The last thing I want is players getting rested. So I went for DCE, who hopefully with Manly pushing hard for the top four, they will keep him playing for the rest of the season. But yeah, massive down date, as you say. I think he lost a try assist for Eremia when he put the kick up. Um, can't remember quite the events that happened, but yeah, uh, as a non-owner, yeah, I'm happy enough to see that his his score got downgraded. I think that may have been the one where he put the kick up, Adokar came down with it, and then Adokar put the kick up uh, cross-field for Eremeyer. Um, mm, yep. Mate, Pap- Pappenhausen Hines, if you're an owner of both those, this is ha- this has to be sort of your worst nightmare come to life, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I checked the minutes and I think uh, Heinz played about 48 and Pappenhausen 46 or something similar. They basically played the exact amount of minutes. Uh, Heinz came on in the last 10 to kind of replace Hughes and play a little bit in the halves. But yeah, it looks like Pappenhausen, when he's on the field, he will be goal kicking. So, you know, that definitely is not good for Heinz. But with Pappenhausen coming off the bench, it's not good enough for him either. So yeah, it's really not beneficial for the pair of them. I think if you've got Heinz, I mean, with most people probably having injury problems, trade problems. The fact that he's playing some minutes is probably better than nothing. And I think, you know, if he's on the pitch and, you know, if Pappenhausen's off, he will goal kick. So I think, for me, Hines is probably an indefinite hold for the rest of the season. I mean, he's very expensive, so you can do a lot with the money. I think if you've got a few trades saved, you could do something with Hines. But for me, you know, potentially if the Storm rest in, you know, the final round of the season, Hines might get another full 80 minutes. So for me, yep, he's an indefinite hold. But it's unfortunate uh, with the way that it's playing out at the moment. Maybe in this week, we might see Pappenhausen getting back to the starting number one role. Yeah, I, look, I agree 100%. I think um, if you don't have... If you've got less than three trades, it's just you're going to see a big, big dip in uh, in price, but you just got to hold. And if you can get your 50-60, cool. Uh, if, if Hughes is out and he plays half, awesome. Um, mate, after he scored 150 or something, he single-handedly won the game for Panthers a couple of weeks ago. I called Matt Burton the biggest trap of 2022. Uh, what are your stances on him at the, the Bulldogs next year, considering his price is going to be probably over 500k, and, and I just can't get behind a Bulldog tough. Yeah, it's pretty hard to invest into a uh, you know Bulldogs player for 2022, just given how that they've been going. And I've been preferring Burton actually playing in the centres as opposed to the halves. Um, he's got a good kick on him. 
uh, and he's able to find the try line. But I think when he's he runs really good lines, so I really like him at centre wing. Uh, yeah, it probably isn't going to be someone I'm going to be going for. I mean, the Bulldogs have recruited quite a few players, um, so that might help. You know, they've got some recruitment in the forwards and also some decent backs. So I think for me, he might be a case of you know wait and see how he goes in the first few rounds. If he kills it, obviously you can jump on him. Just don't know if I'll be starting with him though. From, uh, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Round one. I can't. Uh, I can't get behind another Bulldogs half. Uh, after I said all preseason that Carl Flanagan would average sixty-five plus, and uh, we saw how that has gone. For the Panthers, there isn't a whole lot here to talk about. I mean, Scott Sorensen's got a try for a 66. As we said, Matt Burton with a 62. But uh, not too much to be going on here. Who is your tip to win the grand final? Oh, surely it has to be the Melbourne Storm, right? I think, you know, they haven't even been playing at full strength for the past, like, month and a half. They're on a 16-game streak, I think it is. And I think Penrith, it's pretty obvious that without Cleary that this team is not going to win the competition, in my opinion, because the, the Storm can seem to lose their starting halfback uh, or starting fullback. Uh, and they can still win games pretty comfortably. Penrith is all resting. Starting nine, starting Anybody. fullback, starting <laughs> winger, starting lock. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to upset Penrith fans here. And I'm sure you don't either. But and I don't want to have any bias towards them. But I just think this Melbourne Storm side is is so much better than the rest. And and Melbourne played shocking. I I thought I thought they played really really not great footy on the weekend. And I understand that there's no Cleary, there's no Appy, there's no Toto, there's no. Isaiah Yo, there's no Fisher Harris. Like you can, you can give me all these names, and I, I understand it completely. And you can, you can tell me that Penrith beat the Storm and and the Eels beat the Storm, and I just, I don't, I just can't see this Melbourne Storm side losing another game between now and the Grand Final. Look, I want to be proven wrong. I, I don't want to see Melbourne succeed. Trust me. Like it's, <laughs> it's funny to see the the top team suffer. Like don't get me wrong, but it, it'd be a, such a great redemption story for Ivan Cleary and and the the Mount Druitt boys and all the juniors at Penrith to to lift the trophy, but. I just feel if they don't win it this year, what kind of confidence does that send to a young team that's lost two grand finals back to back? A lot of their players are off contract at the end of next year. I just, I just worry for this Penrith side that that maybe it could all come crashing down uh, within the next twenty four months. Well, that's it. I mean, it's so hard to get to a grand final. I think you know if they don't win the comp this year, whether it be through say, I mean, if it's through injuries, obviously that's a bit of an, a reason that you know they might look at to say you know it wasn't our year. But that's the thing. When you get to grand finals, they may happen so rare. You have to make the most of that opportunity. Um, and unfortunately, they were so strong last year, but they just got beat in the game that counts. Uh, and now, who knows if they get a chance to even get back to the grand final this season. As you say, they've got players coming off contract next season as well. So that premiership window, yes, a lot of their players are young, but you can't really take it for granted. So, I mean, I really do like Penrith as a team. I love how the way, the way they play. I love their players. So I really would like to see them win the comp. But we, I think we just need to see their full squad again for a few weeks at least in the run-up to the grand final because the way that it is, you just can't see anyone beating the Melbourne Storm. If any player could single-handedly win a game, though, it is Nathan Cleary. He's probably one of the best players I've seen uh, since watching footy. He's just got so much control over the game. I think he's the best seven hands down, uh, no question about it. But I just worry that they might not have the cohesion to, to come back and, and gel a, a if, if they, if for example, if Cleary doesn't play until round one of the finals and Toto isn't back and whatnot, and, and they have to create that all new dynamic again, like 
they could go out in straight sets, to be honest, if, it, if it's going to take them a little bit to find their feet. As I said, I don't want that to happen. I, I want to see that Penrith uh, Storm Grand Final, and I want to see Penrith go on and win it. Because I think it'd be such a great story for Nathan Cleary and Ivan as, as well, and, and that team, as, as I've said many times. But uh, one team that could definitely rival uh, Penrith and, and Melbourne, if they can play 80 minutes consistently, they seem to shut off in games. They did it in this game against the Dragons, too. That's the South Sydney Rabbitohs. They got the job done 50-14. to 14. But there was a minute, there was sort of 20 minute period there in that first half where they just shut off and the Dragons came back into it. But Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell, Adam Reynolds just switched on a, on a flick and, uh, yeah, blew this team out of the water. That's the thing with the Rabbitohs. I think that's probably the biggest question mark I've got over them is that it's very hard. Like, I haven't seen them play a full 80 minute game probably all season. They just, they seem to have these 50, 60 minute periods where they just absolutely blow teams off the park because they've got ridiculous players like Cody Walker, Latrell, who can just break open a game. They can score like five, six tries in quick succession. Uh, but then they just seem to kind of switch off for a little bit. And I think that's when, you know, your better teams like your Penrith and your Melbourne, uh, they're going to pounce on that. And we saw the, the Rabbitohs concede 50 points to both Melbourne and Penrith as well. So I think for me, it's really about seeing a complete game from them to see them as serious premiership contenders. I mean, they've obviously got the talent there. They've got the spine. They've got the players. It's just seeing, um, you know, if they can pull that full 80 minutes together. Um, obviously, they've got the master coach there at the helm. So that ho- obviously holds them in good stead. Uh, but yeah, as you say, in, in terms of this particular game, I mean, Cody Walker's 151 obviously was looking amazing for myself. But uh, yeah, it wasn't the best outcome, uh, designed to vice-captain Lupol him. But yeah, amazing performance um, from the Bunnies. They've lost three games all year. And the three games they lost was eight points against the Storm. That big blowout against the Storm as well. I think it was uh, 50 to zip, which, which is not a good record. And they also got blown out. Um, by the Penrith Panthers in, I think it was Mudgy or Orange, I want to say. I think that was 50 nil or close to it. Yeah, in, in, in the Central West, yeah, it was 50 mm. to 14. I just, I just, uh, no, sorry, uh, I can't find the score, but I know, I know it was a blowout. Clearly had a field day, uh, as you expect, but I feel like if they could just string it together, they could definitely cause some teams some upsets. And I've always said with the Bunnies, they make life hard for themselves. They haven't finished in the top four for numerous years from memory, and they always have to go the hard way to the finals. Looks like they've got top four set up this year. Uh, yeah, look, I, I like the Bunnies. I think they can make a big play in, in the finals. It's just playing 80 minutes of 40. I think Wayne Bennett's uh, been very open about that too. Um, look, apart from the, the 1, 6, and 7 for the Rabbitohs, Jai Arrow, obviously my favourite player in the comp, never ever said a bad <laughs> word about him. Uh, he scored a 91. Keon Kulmatangi with 92. Jaden Sewell with a 74. Gagai with a 73. Always good to see for Gagai, considering... Uh, how popular he is. It's always good to see these high-owned players score well because you get to see other people succeed. Uh, Josh Mansour has been a fantastic replacement for Alex Johnson. I think he scored 85 last week, 70 this week. I picked him up in draft um, while AJ was out. Uh, Damian Cook back to earth a little bit with a 56. Not uh, not the, the game that he had the week before, but when we see the 1, 6, and 7 carve up as much as they did, you expect Cook to probably not have his hand uh, in as much for the Dragons, it was headlined by uh, by Burns, and that was sort of all the talking points for 85 from him. This Dragon side, I tipped them for the spoon at the start of the year. They'd come out and shock the world, but uh, after Paul Vaughan's barbecue incident, Ben Hunt's now looking like he's out for the season. I just can't see them con- continuing to hold the form to hold them in the top eight. Yeah, that's it. Their run home as well is pretty difficult. I think it's probably alongside the Eels is one of the worst for the rest of the season. And losing Ben Hunt, I think it's four weeks that he's out with a fractured arm. So he might be back for around 25. But by then you'd expect that probably any top eight chances are over because especially a lot of the contending teams like the Titans and the Knights have got a lot better draw for the rest of the season. So you'd expect them to win more games. So yeah, it's hard to see the the Dragons um, making the eight. They've, a bit of a story of what they've had the past few seasons where they've started the season really well and then just during the middle of the season they seem to fade away 
um, and just can't quite um, get into that top eight. But yeah, not much in terms of super coach now with Ben Hunt's injury. I think Anthony Griffin has. I think Anthony Griffin has to be commended a little bit here, Definitely. considering a lot of people had them tipped had them tipped for the spoon um, to come out and, and I think they were fifth for for a fair while. I mean, it's not all over for them. They are they do have eighteen points, and the Sharks, Raiders, Knights all have sixteen, and the Titans and the Tigers and the Cowboys have fourteen points. The Dragons do have the best for and against. They've probably got a two week window where they can lose and have the other sides win and. And sort of still be there, thereabouts competing. But uh, you don't want to be relying on other teams to lose to make the finals, do you? No, definitely not. And just having a look at their draw here. So they've got the Raiders in round twenty-one, followed by the Panthers. That's. I think. I think that that might uh, that might even decide the um, the eighth spot in the in the finals. To be honest, that uh, Raiders yeah dra- um, Dragons game. That, that, that's basically a four-point swing there. Yeah, definitely. And then they've followed that with the Pan- uh, the Panthers, the Roosters, Cowboys are definitely a winnable game. Then it's the the uh, the Rabbitohs again in round twenty-five. So you can see them losing. You know, maybe that Panthers, Roosters, and Rabbitohs game. So really, that Raiders and Cowboys game is crucial for them, and they won't be with Ben Hunt for those. So yeah, really, really interesting to see the whole top eight, the bottom half of the top eight is going to be really interesting to see the kind of um, the shifting of teams because I think oh, I think all the bottom eight teams play each other for the rest of the season. So it's going to be um, yeah, really, really interesting. Watch come home. I hate, hate, hate the six o'clock game on a Monday. I think it's the worst invention in the world, and uh, this game really delivered the the Bulldogs six, the Titans thirty four. I couldn't think of a more mundane game that I don't want to talk about. Yeah, I will admit, I did zone in and out of this game, especially when the only player I had in this game was Tafita, and he started off the bench, so I couldn't even look and see his super coach points coming in. So yeah, definitely zoned in and out. I mean. Titans, we know, have got a great attack, so they scored 34 points. Um, Bulldogs' attack, we know, is not great, so they only scored the six. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the candidates from the Titans who actually did well, not the ones that you're probably, you know, owning. I mean, you've got Tino, actually fairly well owned with an 84. He did score that try. Uh, Toby Sexton, actually, with 84. He's actually looked pretty good in the past fortnight. Some bloke, some, some bloke messaged me. He's like, I need a budget half. Should I go Toby Sexton? I said, absolutely not. And he comes out <laughs> and... Uh, Puts, puts on 84, so sorry, bloke. Yeah, I don't know what his job security is like because I think Fogarty could be back soon, and I don't know if they'll... Yeah, Fo- yeah. Fogarty, Fogarty was on the extendants this week, so, um, yeah. I mean, it's probably it's, it's hard to drop the kid. They've, they've won the last two games, but, um, yeah, you probably want to go with, with uh, the more NRL experience in, in Jamal Fogarty. Yeah, well, that's it, and I think their next uh, two games will be will be Cowboys and the Rabbitohs, so that Rabbitohs game, you definitely would think they'd go with their more experienced halves, but, yeah, to be honest, I think if you're looking for a budget halfback who you know might make a bit of coin if you've got the luxury of having trades you might be able to go with the sex but obviously that's going to be dependent on if he gets named again this week um for his third game but yeah i've been really impressed actually with him he's a good goal kicker um so yeah definitely one to watch as well for next season you know if ash taylor potentially moves on uh, and he could be a starting halfback for us if you put a gun to my head uh and said name me one player that's going to score over 60 points knowing that luke thompson's out i would have put my my, my life on the line to say josh jackson uh no no surprise here with no Luke Thompson, Jackson stands up, 75 from him. A guy that I owned at the start of the year while Luke Thompson was out, really happy with his output. Luke Thompson came back. Uh, both those guys dropped to around mid-50s. Now, LT suspended. Josh Jackson back up in, in good numbers. Uh, Jack Hetherington, a guy that I also owned at the start of the year. I wish I saw this kind of output from him at the start. 63, really happy with him. But I think... Uh, yeah, like there's Bondi Otto. I think that's how you pronounce it. He looks handy, but there's just nothing to really excite you about this this Bulldog side, though. Is that I guess for Bulldogs fans, the positives are all the recruitments they've got next year. You've got TPJ, you've got uh, Matt Burton, you've got Ado Carr, you've got um, 
Brett, Brett Naden as well, I think. Uh, Matt Dufty. Yep. Yeah, he's going. So there's a, there's a couple of there's a couple of big acquisitions coming there. Paul Vaughan as well. How can we forget Paul Vaughan? So I think TPJ and Paul <laughs> Vaughan um, will be. Yeah, I think they'll be they'll be solid signings for them. They'll, they'll help them go forward and take the the strain off someone like a, a Josh Jackson who seems to be doing it all on his own. Yeah, I think. I mean, if you are looking for an option in second or fourth for the rest of the season, uh, and you know, maybe you're a massive Bulldogs fan, Josh Jackson has been putting up some pretty good scores actually in the past month. So he's got 75 uh, tonight. But then if you look at his uh, scores in the past five weeks, he's got 63, 76, 62, and 63 again. So very, very solid. And he doesn't give you anything but base. But, you know, with Luke, Tom- uh, Luke Thompson out for the next two weeks as well, um, you'll just see that he'd probably be playing pretty decent minutes and getting uh, decent base stats. So, yeah, I think you could go for J- uh, Josh Jackson. But, again, doesn't really present that high upside. So I think this is very, very... Oh, yeah. If you if you said to me, name the most boring football <laughs> in the world. Um, if you said, name, name the most boring football in the world that you'd have at your side, I'd, I'd, take, I'd take Josh Jackson. Yeah, I think he fits that bill pretty well. Um, we, we touched on Tino. I think 2021's been a bit of a flop for Tino personally, considering how much hype he had all preseason. I hate myself for this. All preseason, I bagged him. I said he's a trap. Don't buy him. Don't get him. And then a week before round one, he tore the Warriors apart in a trial game. And I was like, yeah, that's it. He's in. And uh, yeah, pretty disappointed with his output. Had one good game where he scored like 90-odd, pretty much all in base. But apart from like the attacking output, it's just not there. It's not the same Tino Fatasul Malawi that we saw at Melbourne. And uh, when Cameron Smith isn't feeding you ball or getting you over the vantage line, that's pretty much uh, expected. Good game from Brian Kelly. Another one that I think has been a little bit disappointing this year considering the hype that he had. Uh, Dave Fafita didn't work the magic that he, he had last week coming off the bench. Still scored a 61, so you'll take it. But I just worry that with the Titans continually winning and Fafita in this role, that may uh, diminish his supercoach returns. But it's uh, too late to turn back now, isn't it? Yeah, I still think... I mean, this, this is the thing. He comes off the bench and is still able to pull out a 61. So I think that just shows that, you know, if he gets any minutes, he's able to, you know, get tackle breaks, um, offloads and things. So I think... You know, he's definitely still the best second row forward to go for. I am hopeful that in the tougher games that the Titans have got in round 22 and 23, so they've got the Rabbitohs and then the Storm, I would hope that Fafita plays the full 80 then instead of being used as this bench uh, in this bench role because uh, then hopefully that means his points can be a little bit up. But obviously, if you've got him in the team, you're not looking to trade him out for anything. Um, you'd just be hopeful for more attacking stats and more minutes moving forward. Now, listeners have waited 45 minutes for us to get to oh, this game. On. The Sharks, 22. The Sea Eagles, 40. Topped by none other than Braden Trinder with 100 points. Great to see the uh, filling halfback for the Sharks get... Uh, get no, look, in all honesty, Tommy Turbo was on 50 points at halftime. He was rested the last 13 minutes. That means he scored about 184 points in 27 minutes. Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty solid PPM. Yeah, that is basically the definition of 2021 Supercoach and 2021 Tom Trevojevic in a nutshell there. That's just a uh, statistic. I mean, just looking at his numbers from this game, pre-updates, uh, 224 points. He's got three tries, three try assists, five offloads, six line break assists, 11 tackle breaks, three line breaks. Do I need to keep going? Because I didn't captain him, so it's pretty sad for myself. Yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> I've been pretty thankful this year. I captained Pappy. Uh, I captained Cleary. I captained... To, uh, Turbo both weeks he went for 200 and it just shows you that I'm having an extremely extremely poor year in Supercoach so it just shows you that these captain choices if you didn't make them you'd be even further behind the eight ball uh, another man that, that I didn't jump on as I said with the Bradman best thing I told everyone that would listen to me back in round 6 when Turbo was back uh, jump on Ruben Garrick he'll be a stud I think he was less than 400k and uh, we know what Ruben Garrick did in the, in the stretch from round six to now. Morgan Harper, another one that's really set the world on fire. He's had a couple of good scores. Uh, your man, Daly Cherry Evans, with a 73. 
Jason Saab, I think, could have had about 170 this game, but he only got 71. He dropped two or three tries over the line, and um, yeah, I thought he could have gone huge. Josh Schuster, another one that I'm kicking myself at that I didn't get. At the time, Schuster's obviously only available at 5 8th. At the time, I had Matt Moylan, who had scored. I think Matt Moylan had scored two good games of over 70 odd, and he was still 250k. So I thought, okay, those, those scores were in the rolling average. Um, let's not get him, and um, we'll just write out Moylan. And that was the same time that Jerome Luai really kicked off. I think he had four or five scores over 70. And um, when those rolling averages kicked off out of Moylan's average, I flicked Moylan for Luai and uh, missed the Schuster train. And obviously, Luai's gone down to ever since. And Schuster has been uh, one of the buys of the year, considering how shit the 5'8 position's been, I'd say. Yeah, he's been super, super solid. Uh, I've kept him all the way through from like round two or three when I brought him in. I think I remember trading Jacob Little down for him via Connor Watson, uh, and he's just hung around in my team. Uh, obviously, he had quite a spell with injury, but I thought he was going to be available in round 17. Again, by planning re- rearing its ugly head, but I'm happy I've held because Manly Jaw is not too bad, and he's been pretty pretty decent in his scoring, and I can't see myself moving him on anytime soon. Obviously, ideally, you know, I'd probably have like an Adam Dewey alongside a Cody Walker, but I'm happy enough with a Josh Schuster. He looks the goods. Um, in this game, he did. His defense was a little bit of a problem, I think, in this game down his edge, but we know that he can do. Uh, he can deliver attacking stats for fun. So yeah, 61 is pretty much kind of what he gives you um, so far this season. So yeah, pretty happy uh, holding him probably for the rest of the season. I don't want this podcast to turn into a whisper told you so segment, um, but look, I've got a lot of things wrong this year, but. One of the things I did advise people on was to stay away from Carl Lawton. Um, he scored, I think, three scores of 70. And I think the fact that he was available to hooker, everyone jumped on him. Everyone thought, oh, let's get Carl Lawton in. But looked at the at the waiver, not the waiver, we looked at the injury list and we saw that Schuster was out. We saw that Curtis Sirenin was out. We saw that, um, I think, Jack Osecki was still out. There was a couple of other guys there as well. Sean Kepi. Like, there was plenty of guys here that, that Lawton was going to lose minutes to. Um yeah, obviously he had the injury, which sucked, but I still don't think that was going to change his output at all. And another one is Hamwell Olakowatu. I think a lot of people got caught up in the the three or four week attacking spell that he had, where he was just getting try after try after try. The base isn't fantastic. Thirty five from him is not ideal for owners. Where did you sort of stand on the on the Hamwell Olakowatu debate? Because I know it blew up on Twitter. Uh, I would say three weeks ago, three four weeks ago. Yeah, look, I thought he was actually an okay purchase because he was putting up some really good scores. And the way that Manly's attack has been flowing, you would think that the attack stats were going to continue to come. So yes, while he doesn't quite have the base stats, if you bought him knowing that, that you might get some of these lower scores, I think you shouldn't really be too surprised. I mean, it is unfortunate they hasn't been able to get those attacking stats in the past couple of weeks. But I think the back end of the season for them isn't too bad. They've got the Raiders, the Bulldogs, and the Cowboys as their last three. So, you know, if you hold him for the rest of the season... You would hope for at least another a close to another hundred point game there. So I think Olakwatu. I think I didn't go there myself purely just because I think I had other issues to deal with, like you know half my team essentially with injuries. Uh, but yeah, Olakwatu. I don't. I don't think he was a horrible buy. Maybe this might just be an opportunity where you know with these lower scores the past couple of weeks he might come down a bit in price and he could be really good. You know, as a cheeky cheap second or four to go for for the last three weeks of the season. I think that, that is an interesting point to, to talk about because you, you talk about upside and base and whatnot. I just, I'd prefer someone like a, a Tyson Frizzell, for example. Obviously, he's been the talk of this podcast, but I just prefer a guy that would get me 55 with the one try upside. Obviously, Hamwell could score two or three, but I don't know. If it's per, and this is probably the reason why I've gone as poorly as I have this year because my middle name is base stats. Um, but this year, it's not been about that. This year, it's always been about the tries. Um, getting those attacking stats and 
for some reason, obviously it's playing Supercoach many years and, and relying on these base tech guys, but it's just, it's, this year has flicked a switch for a lot of people's mentality. Um, if, you, if, I said, if I said to you at the start of the year, uh, Alex Johnson would be one of the best players to have, um, you'd obviously laugh because of the fact that he scores about 10 when he doesn't score a try. So I think that's a really interesting debate with Supercoach in 2021 and, and moving forward as to how important those attacking stats have been. We saw the, the total match points have just been blown out of the water. I mean, this game had 60, 62 points. The Rabbitohs game had 64. Uh, the Storm Panthers had 47. The Knights Raiders had 68 points. Like, there's just been huge blowouts this year, and uh, it's definitely shifting towards attacking players, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I think with these scores continuing like that, I think it really does cause a bit of a shift in how you want to play the game because, as you say, you know, SC base stats whisperer. I was very much in the same line of thinking, you know, base stats is the way to go from the beginning of the season. So was really into a guy like Brian Toto, who's got amazing base stats. The thing with him, he does have that upside because he plays on that left edge of the Panthers, which was, you know, clicking on all cylinders to begin the season. But when you're looking at your back row or even your front row forward, you know, you don't really want to be really going with those base stat guys. You now want to be going with those guys who've got this ceiling, you know. Well, center wing and wingers, I think, is where that is really, really evident. You know, Alex Johnston, has just been on fire ever since he got um, up until he got his injury. Beginning of the season, that's someone who I remember in preseason talking about him saying, look, he could be good at, I think it was priced at 495k to begin the season. I wasn't personally going to go there myself because I was afraid of those 10, 15 point scores. Now look at it 20 rounds further into the season. Uh, if you don't have him, you're losing out on 120, 130 points. And that's just the way that the game's gone. Uh, you know, if the rules change next season, obviously we'll have to kind of adapt to that. I think it just highlights a good argument in terms of just being adaptable throughout the season because you can see, you know, it, we, it was figured out, you know, maybe halfway through the season that it just wasn't enough to go for your 60, 70 point center wings. You need to go for the guys who are going to give you 150 plus and you put the same thing in your second row forward as well. You know, we're talking about Olukuatu potentially with the ceiling. Uh, you want to go for him over, you know, like a Toe Harris who's giving you like maybe 65 to 70. Yeah, I think, um, I think... It's obviously a huge risk-reward, but you've got to pick the right guys. So Alex Johnston is, I think, the exception to the rule because of how much South Sydney attacked that left-hand side. Uh, it's all well and good to pick these high-ceiling guys, and, and when they score 150, it looks fantastic. But on the on the other hand, look at someone like a Charlie Staines, you know, like uh, a guy that was so highly hyped up all preseason, someone that I was thankful I didn't buy into the hype um, because of the, I guess, the, the lack of base and... Thankfully, the move for Brian Toto to shift to the left and Penrith's desire to attack that left hard has left Staines out in the cold. So, for, for every Alex Johnson there is, there's also a Charlie Staines, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I think what you say is a good point. You just can't be getting these guys at any time. I think you really have to be targeting them, you know, when their draw opens up and also just based on the way that the team plays. So, you know that with the Rabbitohs, for, in, for example, they favour their left edge a lot. So, you know that guys like Gagai and Alex Johnson are going to get a lot of ball with Cody Walker feeding them. With Penrith, we saw more at the start of the season that it was the left-hand side. So Charlie Sands was out on the right wing catching a cold. Um, we didn't really touch on him this week as well. He scored one point. I think he played the full 80, didn't he? That has to be one of the worst scores I can remember. Yeah, so that's why Charlie Sands has been a pretty also, it helps. It also doesn't help when you've got Stephen Crichton on your inside that, that doesn't know how to pass the ball. Well, Crichton is actually going to be, I think, suspended for one week. I think he apparently was... Oh, and, then, and then Momorowski comes stuff. back in, so it's, it's, it's even worse... Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's very easy to say in hindsight, but I think you have to try to look at the whole team and look at the players who are inside or outside these guys. We know that with the Rabbitohs, you know, Gagai, well, he can be a bit of a ball hog at times, but more more often than not, Johnson is going to get good ball. 
Staines, on the other hand, though, is, you know, Cleary on the right, you know, Cleary's playing. He will throw to Capewell, throw to Momorowski or, you know, uh, Crichton. And not much is getting past those guys, to be honest. Uh, we went off on a bit of a tangent. We didn't really touch on the Sharks because there isn't much to talk about. There's Braden Trindle, who, uh, as a draft owner with Cle- that owns Cleary, when he went down, I picked up Braden Trindle as a bit of a handcuff, and I've been really happy with his output. He's got 100 this week. Uh, will Kennedy, who I think has been... One of the most improved players, not the most improved, but definitely up there, uh, 92 for him. But apart from that, no one else scored above 50 in a side that scored 22 points. Um, yeah, there there's isn't much to talk about here. Sivitalikai, uh, what a fall from grace. I, I say it every week, but I have a lot of new players that follow me um, that messaged me the week after we hyped up Talakai to the nth degree when he came back, and people had no idea what we were talking about. And uh, no SJ means no Talakai for me. Yeah, no Esche as well. Just kind of kills a lot of the wingers as well. Like Katoa as well. He had a great 2020. And I thought with... Um, the Molotalo yeah, only scored 20 as well. It's hard yeah. to get behind, I think, a lot of these Sharks players. Obviously, Jesse Raymond was a late out uh, with, a I think, it was an ear infection this game. So, need to keep an eye on that as well. Again, Raymond, who was very popular in the past few weeks because um, he had great base stats. And he had one game where he scored like 120. But since then, he hasn't really done much. So, again, I wouldn't say it's a trap because he put up a good score and he had very good base stats. But, again... Hasn't just shown the ceiling that we just kind of need now uh, in 2021. Another another point that I'll, I'll bring to you, and we'll, we'll probably finish up on this. I'll quickly, quickly, sorry, the, the back line of the Sharks. Katoa, 34. Uh, Will Chambers, 18. Connor Tracy, 12. Ronaldo Militello, 20. So, yeah, the points just didn't come from there. Uh, Will Kennedy with 92. Obviously, we can see where the attack came from. Um, the point that I wanted to bring up on you is, is Jesse Ramian. Now, a lot of people, myself included get sucked into this idea that a center wing scores 45 to 50 points. And we say, okay, awesome. Like, that's a good base. Like, what if he scores some tries? Someone like a Jesse Raymond isn't a natural try scorer. So, uh, I've fallen into this trap as well. I did it with Daniel Tupo, but I think Tupo is a different example because we know that he has that try scoring ability. When these guys score 45, 50, we say to ourselves, okay, that's that's, that's fine. Like, just wait till the tries come. But you look at someone like a Raymond, isn't a natural try scorer. Do you think a lot of people fall into that... Um, a little bit of a bias they have towards backline players to sneaking their automatic try scorers. Yeah, definitely. I think it was actually uh, I think it was Costa and one of his uh, on from the Searching for Corey Parker podcast uh, quite early. In the shout season. out, shout out to shout out to Costa and the Searching for Corey Parker podcast. Great, uh, great yeah, show. Yeah, definitely. He raised a very good point actually, which I really found interesting. I think he was going through center wing averages and he was going through them, and basically all of them were wingers. There wasn't actually many many centers who are averaging very well, basically because the way that the game's played now, all these sweet plays, um, they're all finishing with the winger. And I think you really want those wingers. We saw Brett Morris at the beginning of the season was doing ridiculously well. We're seeing AJ, you know, um, Tane Milne when he was playing on the wing as well. Obviously, again, the Rabbitohs may be a bit of an exception because their attack is a lot better. But I think you maybe just have to go for these proven guys who you know are going to be scoring 10, 15, potentially 20 tries a season. Like, you know, Josh Adokar is averaging like 67. We know he's got low base, but the Storm are that good of a team. We know that Josh Adekar is one of the best finishers in the game and is a natural try scorer. So we may as well just go for those guys instead of a Ramian who, you know, he can give you high upside games, but they're few and far between because he's not a natural try scorer, as you say. He will just give you less of those kind of horrible, you know, 10, 15 scores, but he won't give you those 110, 120, 178 that Adekar got when, you know, when he scored six tries. So I think that is definitely something to look out for. Just try to focus maybe a little bit more on the guys that you know are proven try scorers. And that was that was the point that I, I posted this on Facebook uh, about five days ago. I got a good response from it. I posted, would you rather have a guy that just gets you 50 points? And that's it. No higher, no lower. Just 50 every week. 
Or would you rather a guy that gets 20 points one week, 80 points another week? And you obviously, you got the heroes that said, oh, well, when he gets 20, I'll just play him 80 next week. But that's not the point of the question. Like, you know what I meant. Would you rather the, the, the consistent average or the, the high-low, the, the Jason Sarves of the world? And it was funny that it was quite a mixed response, actually. A lot of people, uh, the responses were split quite down the middle. Now, you mentioned um, Costa's little uh, center wing breakdown. And I, I quickly pulled it up now. The, the top... Natural center is in seventh place in Dane Gagai. So it goes Matt Fiege, which I think is an outlier, only playing two games. Number two is Nico Hines at fullback. Number three is Ruben Garrick on the wing. Number four is Brian Toto on the wing. Number five is Alex Johnson on the wing. Number six is Valentine Hones at fullback. And yeah, the, the highest averaging center is Dane Gagai, who is seventh in the center wing uh, averages. So it just shows you how weighted it is towards those guys. And you look at Ruben Garrick, strike center, a strike winger on the left-hand side. Brian Toto, strike winger on the left-hand side. Alex Johnson, strike winger on the left-hand side. There's a bit of a pattern emerging here, isn't there? Yeah, I've actually pulled up the same list myself. And if you actually just keep scrolling down a little bit, the next natural center in terms of averages is actually Jesse Raymond, and he's at 14th. So there's another you know, six or seven guys who are all basically wingers who are averaging the best. So maybe this is something to, you know, it's hard to kind of you know duplicate things from one season to the next, but definitely has been the trend at least for 2021. So, yeah, something to yeah, after, after Gagai, you got Greg Marzu, who scored a lot of his points on the left. Move to the right now with Corey Thompson back into the side, but a lot of his points came on the left. Addo Carr on the left. Jordan Rapiner, he was a strike center for the Raiders on the left. Um, Corey Thompson, like, when before he was injured, he was the Titans' best left-hand center, uh, left-hand winger. Mike Sivo, another left-hand uh, winger. Matt Ikevalu was on the right, but we know the Roosters attack right there. Um, yeah, Daniel Tupo as well, another left-hand side winger. So, um, it's a... I didn't actually realise this until looking at it. It's a pretty damn stat, isn't it? Yeah, that's why I wanted to bring it up because I think ever since Costa kind of mentioned that and I was looking at that, um, I think I really wanted to kind of target those. I think you kind of just have to maybe not go overboard and just kind of have a good mix, you know, so in your centre wing, if you've got those really safe guys, you know, like a Nico Hines, a Garrick, a Brian Toto, you know those guys are are going to give you pretty good scores. So I think it affords you that ability to get, you know, maybe a fourth and a fifth centre wing who has that high upside. So maybe you go for like an AJ... Uh, and you go for like an Ikevalu like I had as well. And I think, you know, yes, you may get some low scores from them, but you're, they're going to be carried a little bit by the other center wings that you've got. But, you know, if all five of them, you know, fire in the same week, that's when you get these 1,600-point scores that we've been seeing this season. So I think it's a bit of a mix. You just ha- kind of have to, you know, balance your team correctly, and I think you can really profit from that. Yeah, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm actually blown away. I didn't actually realize how dominant the left-hand side was. But um, that's been an hour of us just talking talking uh shooting the breeze so i very much appreciate you coming on mate uh i'm hopefully hopefully to try and get you back on for the end of the year mate um give yourself a plug obviously uh youtube is uh your domain and doing some fantastic things in the supercoach world and the fpl world so if you're one of the guys in uh in the the whisperer cash comp or you've joined uh aman and i's uh friendly uh, free comp i know there's a, a plethora of you guys out there head over and see him uh where can we find you yeah, firstly, thanks for having me on. It was really fun doing this, and I know we got to a bit of a tangent on the back end there, but I just, yeah, it's fun to just talk, uh, you know, general Supercoach stuff. So, yeah, really appreciate you having on having me on. Um, you can find me at Aman Talks FPL SC. Uh, just recently rebranded, given that I've now kind of ventured into the FPL content creation as well. Um, as you mentioned, if anyone's interested in that, I've got a le- the league that we've got is um, the code is KEC4PP if anyone wants to join. But yeah, Twitter, uh, a man talks FPLSE, and YouTube, a man talks FPLSE. Mate, thank you very much for, for joining me. As I said, I'm going to try and get you back on for the end of the year. But um, yeah, for everyone listening, keep your friends close and keep your pods closer. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 